Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin, and if you're wondering, yes, this is week 28, episode 28. You've been with us for so long, and we're so glad to have you with us. Yes, as Al's counting, my reluctant co-host, the reluctant managing editor, he's very reluctant today, Al Manorino is doing math to subtract one on the episode you weren't on, pal. Um, Got it. We're here, and this is a special week for us. Of course, my name is Bill Bodkin, editor-in-chief and co-founder of thepopbreak.com. Still very sore from doing dad yard work, where I literally tore my entire body in half. How bad am I doing yard work? Well, I was trying to get a plant out of the ground, and somehow ended up punching myself in the face. Twice. (laughs) Um, And almost broke my ankle. These are things you do as a dad. Um... Yeah, so that's my that was my weekend, but this week is very important because we're recording this on the 28th of September, and tw- uh, tomorrow, September 29th, if you don't know math or uh, calendars, is the 11-year anniversary of thepopbreak.com. That's right, 11 years ago to, uh, on the 29th, I pushed publish on a .wordpress site, which I will get into the embarrassing name of later, that was not Pop Break. And um, obviously, we would not be doing this podcast if it was one for Pop Break. So uh, we have a very special guest on. But before I introduce him, Al, um, your hair's hair's getting high. You were at an alpaca farm today. And you're um, basically doing uh, chores and watching a football game during this podcast. Yes. So, um, no, hair, hair is freshly cut. I'm really not – I'm – I'm trying to avoid cutting the top, but I mean, it, if I don't, it just gets like puffier and kind of just expands. Like I don't, my, my hair doesn't actually grow length; it grows like Wait. diameter. You know what I mean? It's a lot of like girth. 1980 Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah kind of a I little bit. Been. Yeah, I try not to really grow out my hair because it's just a just a horrible undertaking. Uh, yes, I would much rather be uh, recording, not recording, uh, watching the game. But I have that off on the side, the uh, the Chiefs Ravens game uh, preview of the AFC Championship game later this year. You know, I changed uh, the. I, you know, I changed this recording date to suit you because you're busy on the weekend. We should probably move it to Tuesday. Really should actually. We, we probably should. We actually, probably should. We we are. After this we were going to do that right now, but. Uh, um, but um, that's not important. That's not important. Pop, Pop Breaks anniversary is more important. So what we're I'm glad we get to celebrate it with uh, an OG member of the staff. Yes. The Oest of G. Hell yeah. He is the Oest of the Gs. He'll tell you. I've, having known him for nearly 20 years, I can uh, neither confirm nor deny it. But um, that person making a Billy Joel reference from the 1980s, as only he can, <laughs> is a long, long, long time best friend of mine, part of my family. Uh, someone who was one of the first people to visit my daughter when she was born, um, someone whose wedding I officiated. In fact, I officiated both these guys' weddings. Mm. I'm very good at what I do. Um, my rates are really good. Get at and me. And we're still married, yeah. At, get at me, at Bodkin Rates on Twitter. My DMs are open for your weddings. Uh, but he he's also was a huge... Um, was one of my dad's favorite people. He was very important to my father, who I've mentioned on his podcast before. And... Uh, he is an amazing writer, and if it were not for this man, this site would not have uh, happened because uh, I needed someone to start it with. And his name is Brent Johnson. Brent Johnson. There's an echo. There's an echo. Uh, Brent Johnson, he is an esteemed 
journalist. Yes, we still exist. Uh, I will keep his media company um, sacred. He is the lead singer of the Clydes, uh, Pop Breaks house band, and a band that Al and I, we've both shot press photos for. And he is one of the great pop culture minds I've ever met. Brent Johnson, I've built you up enough. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Good. Happy to be on with you guys. This, this uh, Pop Break is a wonderful chapter in my life, and, and you guys have done a great job keeping it alive. Well, you're going to hopefully keep a lot more going than that. Now, what the funny thing is that while Al is putting his comic books in plastic sleeves, Brent is also uh, organizing his baseball cards. So basically, we are all 11-year-olds right now. I got 1986 Daryl Evans right here. Did he play for the Red Sox? He uh, That was Dwight Evans. No, Daryl Evans played for the uh, the Braves and the, the Tigers. You know who I'm thinking of? Daryl Boston. Daryl Boston also played for the Mets. He did, first base. Yep. Was not great. Sorry to all you <laughs> Daryl Boston fans out there. But, yes, the reason we're here is uh, we're going to get into our first segment. Al, as always, if you could do us the pleasure of taking the times. Absolutely. Which means he's not. Um, oh, he got a pen just to spite me. I love it. Uh, we are getting into our first segment. Seriously, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Seriously, what the fuck is what I was talking about, and it blows my mind every single day. Pop Break turns 11. That's right. To give everyone just a little background, Brent, this is obviously where you're going to come in, uh, besides talking about your uh, bad call on Vin Diesel being an award-winning actor for generations to come, <laughs> um, as well as there's a few, there's a few musical um, things you've said in your past that I will hopefully remember to bring up. Um Mostly about Duncan Sheik. Uh, but we want to talk about 11 years ago on the 29th, how the, the site was born. Now, Brent, do you remember um, how you, why you agreed to do this site with me, besides me probably guilting you into it? Yeah, it was, it was funny. I mean, you know, I spent the early part of my journalism career as a sports writer in Virginia. And, for, and, and then I, came, I left Virginia and came back. And became a music columnist for the Trenton Times in Trenton, New Jersey. And then somehow I got into politics. And I wasn't writing entertainment anymore. And I started writing politics for uh, the Star-Ledger, which is the state newspaper of New Jersey and Newark. And I wasn't writing entertainment. And, and I know you weren't writing entertainment as much as you wanted to anymore. You were working a different job. And, uh, and we were like, well, we like entertainment and music and film and sometimes television. Uh, and we're like, we would, should, uh, I, Bill likes television a lot more than I do. I can't, no, the can't irony, the that. irony is like the beginning days of the site were like television, who cares? And now like cut to 2020, it's all that's carrying the site as we that's had our TV deal, editor. It's really the only like two television shows I've ever really loved are the office and parks and rec. And I like community and Seinfeld too, but I'm not a TV guy. Well, so, Al's a huge parks and rec guy. Yes. Parks and rec is the, in my opinion, the greatest piece of entertainment ever including the Beatles. So but oh, that's a whole other story. That's a bold that, statement that coming from you. That is a hot take, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. So, But, yeah, so Bill and I would do these hot takes mostly in, like, parking lots at midnight after we got dinner somewhere. Yeah, and we've been work. doing it since college. We both went, Bill and I both went to Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And uh, so we, like, we talk about this stuff. Why don't we write about it? So the original idea, I think, was that you and I would email each other, like, like, back and forth about some i think the speaking of the beatles they had just like re-released their catalog at that time no and, and, so and started, it was uh they did the beatles rock band too yes 
And so we were like, let's just exchange emails about this stuff. And we called it the worst name. And I can't believe you and I this time thought it was like a, a name that could be like, we're like, yes, we're going to put this name out there. Oh, no, it wasn't. We thought it was a good name. We're like, we're, we have to launch this. We can't think of anything better. So yeah. the worst possible name for the site, we were the B&B Entertainment Blog. And if you wonder what B&B stands for, yes, it was the Bill and Brent or Bill and Brent's Entertainment Blog. Our catchphrase was like Cirque du Soleil journalism. Everything about it was hot garbage. The name, at least. The content, it's, no. The name, been, shit. It should have been Bill and Brent's Entertainment Journey. Yeah, because like, like Bill but, and Brent, but we weren't smart enough to think that way. No, no, no but... Yeah, it would have been nice to know you at that time. No, but, but what you remember what the header was of the site. Was it Bill and Ted's? It yeah, was our faces our... on Bill and Ted's bodies. Yeah, and I, I definitely, I think you were definitely Keanu Reeves. Swing and so. a miss. You were this close, guys. Swing and a miss. Welcome this. to the story of my life. A big swing and a miss. So. But yeah, it was it was basically what this podcast, the impetus of this podcast, which was basically Alan I's conversation over Facebook Messenger. We mentioned we've said this before. It's like so we're just like okay, let's just make a podcast out of it uh, because what are we doing? We're 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 quarantined. We're, we can't see anybody. We can't. We can't have real conversations. So let's do this. So, yeah, that was what Pop Breaks. Well, the BNB Entertainment Block started out as, and uh, we uh, we tried to change the name. Do you remember what I the name? You remember the name? The name tried- was going to be Hodge Pop, right? Yeah. Why couldn't we change that name? Because I think my my ex girlfriend at the time was using it for something else or something like that. Yeah, it was something you had done with her, and I was. Oh, was it? Yeah. God, my life is so different now. Oof. Um, and we, I tried begging her for the name because for some reason I thought Hodge Pop was an amazing name. Um. Yeah. I, I, I know. It was. It was the. It was the aughts. She doesn't like me anyway, so <sighs> I don't think she likes she's me. Not, she's not nearly as good as my wonderful wife. So no, your wife is your wife is the best. Yeah. Um, now, Al, you joined us. Um, I mean, obviously, so it was two thousand nine. Um, you joined us in two thousand thirteen. Obviously, the beginnings of Pop Break. A lot of it was just people I knew or people Brent knew. Uh, a lot from the Rutgers University universe, including our good buddy Joe Zorzi, lead singer of Modern Chemistry. Uh, Max Barnum, one of our first writers, and a lot of other people. Mike Dworkis, who's been a longtime writer for us. Kimberly Rossi, she's been a longtime writer for us, did a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts. You were not one of those people. I believe 2013, South Jersey Boy, how'd you find how'd you find Pop Break? Um I found Pop Break through um an ex-girlfriend of my cousin, Christian who has been on the podcast. Um, and, Spoilers, uh, that ex-girlfriend has also been on the podcast. Also been on the podcast. Laura Dengrove. <laughs> Laura Dengrove. Uh, I basically found out through Laura Dengrove, uh, who is a writer and uh, who has been a writer since before me, since before, tw- uh, so for almost seven years, or uh, almost eight years, I guess. No, she started uh, in 2013. I had graduated Rowan uh, University. I was trying to find like as many writing gigs as I could um, because I discovered I like to write and have opinions about shit um, and pretty late like 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 I think my grad uh, my last year at Rowan I, uh, I discovered a site called what culture mm-hmm. started writing for them uh, 
got a, a dream gig writing for a screen rant and was immediately fired after a month because they didn't like my I, my my pieces required too much editing, which probably did because I sucked back then. Um, still do. But then uh, I uh, found you guys, uh, started writing. Uh, we, my first piece was supposed to be a movie that I backed out at the last second. The Counselor. Which is the, the, yeah, the Counselor with, like, every good actor ever directed by Ridley Scott. Like, no and one it liked was it. the worst. I've movie. never heard of that. Is that, is that yeah. a real thing? Oh, that sounds like an SNL movie they made up, like, for No, I know. But no, it, got, uh, it got panned. It. it was terrible. Who, so it's like Cameron Diaz. Brad Pitt. Beneath uh, Javier Bardem. Maybe. Yeah, and, and I almost want to say Sharon Stone for some reason, but... It had, a, like, an insane cast. And Ridley Scott. Oh, oh, wait. And, like, the big selling factor, I think, was it's it was Cormac McCarthy's first uh, written work made specifically for a movie. Like, it was his first... Like, it wasn't a book beforehand. It was a script that he actually uh, wrote that was he, turned... And he, this was right after No Country for Old Men. And The Road. That's right. God, Two huge adaptations, like like back to back, for him. So his name was like super hot and whatever. Man, that is a diatribe. I've just it's not a insane. diatribe; it's a tangent. But okay, tangent, same thing, whatever. Um, but yeah, and then I ended up. My first piece was actually um, a review for a season finale of the Newsroom. I believe it was like season two or something. Uh, yep, that's a television show I watched. As I love the Newsroom, great show. Anything Sorkin. Um, oh, we got we got a Netflix movie coming out soon. So I know I can't wait. Um, yeah, and then eventually, um, I don't know how it kind of evolved, but like I, I guess because I was going to a lot of concerts and stuff, we talked, and uh, you know, I said I would be interested in like interviewing bands and and reviewing albums and things like that. And then like I slowly progressed to eventually becoming the the music editor for the site, and then finding uh, my love for photography because of this site, and uh, probably would not be. Where I am today, uh, not and remove the word probably, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for this site because you you were you know you specifically were a huge inspiration for me to wear a, t- a ton of hats and learn all these different things. Oh me, and then and then uh, you know just keep branching out and become a better writer, better photographer, better editor, and a manager, and that really helped me get where I am. And specifically photography too, I like I. The things I have done would not have happened if it wasn't after pop ring. I'm going to get back to Brent in a second because uh, I, I think I put Al over recently on an, on an episode. But um, I will never forget Al's first photography gig was Panic at the Disco at the then Re- Pine Belt Arena in Toms River, New Jersey, um, which is oddly on a high school campus. But they had – Brent, you remember the Rotaco Center? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the weirdest place. It's like a legit good arena. I had WWE's run shows there. Um, they've had, I think, Jonas Brothers have played there. Right Is that before no the longer end. called the Rotaco Center? It's now the Pine Belt Arena? No, it changed again. It's it something was, else now. Like, I think really. it changed twice. In I think it's the... It was the Rotaco Center where we were in college, because I definitely went yeah. to see a band there. I don't remember who. Rick Springfield? <laughs> might, yeah. might, might, might have been Rick Springfield and Whitesnake, for all I know. <laughs> oh. Here. Oh, if Lucas B. Jones somewhere is, is editing this podcast, I'd be very happy to get a white snake drop. Um, <laughs> but it became Pine Belt. Then it became, I want to say it's like the RWJ Barnabas Health Center now, uh, much like the Count Basie, but I could be wrong. Um, but I remember, you know, we had a photographer who was going to go to that and it was Panic at the Disco. And you, I'm like, I have nobody. I'm like, you were like, I love the band. I want to sh- shoot him. 
It was actually more because of Walk the Moon. Panic was a bonus. Walk the Moon was opening. I was like, fuck, that's cool. I was into, I was crazy into Walk the Moon before they blew up with Shut Up and Dance. Like, I was all about. My mom you know, loves that song. Doris Bach, a huge fan of it. Who doesn't? I'm going to say Panic of the Disco's second record, Pretty Odd, is one of the most underrated records of the last 30 years. Most random thing you've ever said in your life. Good hot. That's another hot take. I don't think I've given that album a chance outside of uh, Nine in the Afternoon. That that album inspired a lot of my songwriting. And you would not... I mean, they're also Mormon, too, Panic of the Disco. Yeah. Spoilers. Brent Johnson's a a lax Mormon. Or lax Recovering Mormon. I don't know. What do you want to call it? But but Panic of the the Disco is They're very big in my life because it was like, ah, nerdy-looking Mormon guys can play rock and roll. Not just Donny Osmond. (laughs) Oh, you know who else is Mormon, too? Uh, Neon Trees. Oh, really? That made me uh, what was we their, just, would we, the first band we shot in Central Park? Neon Trees. Neon Trees. I was not. I was not there. I want to say that was Kiate shot that. Makes sense. And I think Makes you sense. also. Uh, I think you took his place because I was calling him and texting with him to get like how to sh- like uh, trying to get all the um, aperture and all like the levels for you and how to shoot a show because you're like yeah. ah! <laughs> you were you were freaking I'm out. Sure I- I didn't have a camera. I stole uh, Ryan DeMarco's camera, another uh, writer on the site and, and my best friend. Guest. I stole his camera um, because he was, like, like making movies and stuff and, like, getting into, like, film and everything. So he had a camera, and I, I robbed that. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of teaching myself on the go, uh, literally. I was asking you to ask Kiate questions of how do I fix this camera so, it, like, I can take a picture that people can see. And, and the show turned out great, and you have gone on to shoot many a show for us, including Pink and Justin Timberlake at the Garden. Um, so, yeah, you have evolved into a, an amazing photographer. And uh, spo- uh, Inside Baseball almost told Al never to write for us because I think you missed The Counselor and something else, and we're all like, me and the other people. Just, it was just the counselor. I thought it was something else. Two thousand <laughs> so bad. Two thousand missing this movie. Two thousand thirteen, like that year in general, up until a certain point, was like really, really shit for me. So I'm just like anyone who's. I'm just like fuck it, just let him go. We don't need him. Yeah. But Brett, one of the reasons uh, I remember coming to you and why you were such a huge part of the site, and obviously you're not. Um, I think you're still on the masthead as a either editor, editor emeritus, or executive editor. Um, I mean, Pete, Pete Best is still technically a member of the Beatles, so uh, member emeritus. Yeah, I mean, we also, yeah, I won't talk about that because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, but uh, the reason I went to you is because you and I, a little uh, background for both of us. You mentioned Rutgers University. We both work for the Daily Targum, uh, which is the like legendary daily newspaper at that school. Hell of a time. Great time. We worked together for two years. But we both wrote for the Inside Beat, which is the daily entertainment magazine that um, appeared once a week. I think it was Thursdays. Then I got conned into moving to Fridays. And I always wanted to recreate that feeling because it was really fun. We covered the independent. We covered the mainstream. And it was just a great time in life. And... uh I always wanted to recreate that. I mean, what do you remember about that time and us being in college together, uh, putting that together? And do you think that it's the trans? My vision of what I wanted this site to be has that translated out? Yeah, it's put me over is what I'm saying. 
brother. The, for those of you who care about journalism, the the <laughs> just uh, you the can't really learn on this podcast. Yeah, there's you really can't learn kind of what Al was saying about learning about photography on the fly. You can't really learn journalism in a classroom, so you have to do it. And Rutgers is one of the schools that has a daily newspaper that allows you to do it. It's learning in real time and learning by mistake and learning by, you know, actually failing and, and, and learning to get better. So, you know, it's also like I never belonged to a frat, but it's the closest you got to having a family at college without yeah. joining a frat. And we both and we both commuted. Yeah, yeah, we were both commuters. And I think, Al, you were a commuter, right? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, I was not. No, I did two years community college, and then I went away for the last two years. That's what it was. Sorry. But so, so yeah, so, and, and we carried that over a bit into Pop Break, and I think the camaraderie is what makes it a little different. It doesn't, it doesn't have a, a staid feel. It has a, a very collegial feel, and I think that's part of the reason why. Cool. And, and so, I know you, you officially stopped, because you, you kind of had to, because your workload yeah, my work is insane. I've, I've, I, uh, I've contributed some things over the years. Oh, no, no, no. But you contributed I, a lot. Yeah, a lot. Early on, I used to have my, my favorite thing I did was a thing called Lost Songs. Oh, I love that. I, I wish I could bring about, that. I, I want to bring that column back so bad. It was great. Yeah, I would so, love to write some things again. It, it was, it's the only time I ever got to write like about both Stephen Sondheim and Loudon Wainwright III, like back-to-back weeks and songs that people don't know. So, so, so yeah, I mean, it's... It's definitely it's become it's become a much bigger thing than it was when I used to write all the time, and um, it's it, it definitely still has that collegial feel though, which is which is rare. You don't see that a lot in modern journalism, at least in mainstream journalism. So I like that. So lost songs for anyone who don't know, you could you could actually go to the search uh, feature on the site. It was basically Brent and I did a couple of them, and a couple other people yeah. contributed here and there. Uh, mm-hmm. It was basically. Here's just underrated gems from band, either like maybe a band you knew, know, here's a deep cut, or just like this random one-hit wonder, or just something obscure that you could just put in your ear and it you would just love, and Brent would give like cultural context to it and do a little review and why it was such a great song. So yeah, I would love to bring that column back. My, my favorite story from that is back before we had like Soundhound and things like that, I was in a pizza... A sound hound, the one where like, or like, uh, what is the one you you press your phone up to the to this to the um, Shazam? To the Shazam. Oh yeah, that the, uh, remember that Jamie Fox game show? I was like, yes. are you smarter this, smarter than Shazam? But this was like nine years ago when that wasn't a thing yet, and I remember being at La Taverna Della Pizza in Spotswood, and Conquistador by uh, by Procol Harum came on. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God, this song is awesome. But I couldn't remember like the name or the band. So I stood up on one of the counters at the pizza place so I could listen closely to the lyrics. And I wrote down the lyrics on like a menu or something. So I brought it home and Googled it. This is also like before smartphones. And I Googled it and like wrote about, oh, that's Conquistador by Procol Harum. And that's a good metaphor for me. Yeah, I mean, that does describe it to a T. You would probably do that right now. But it's crazy yeah. that when we started this, we started the site 2009. Spotify wasn't really a thing in the U.S. Like, YouTube wasn't what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, Netflix was just, I was still a disc service. There was no Prime. There was no Hulu. There was nothing. Like, TV dominated still. Yeah, it really was. People still did 
TV was appointment viewing. I remember Thursday nights were a big deal for me because, I, you know, you'd have The Office, Parks and Rec, and Community, and then, like, terrible shows like Outsource that would come on at 930 because they could never fill it all. But that, I don't know if that – I don't think that exists anymore, the idea of it's Thursday night, my, my three favorite TV. shows. Yeah, it just doesn't – and so that is just a small microcosm of how much the world has changed in just the last 11 years, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just, just, it's just. We I learn a lot of pop music because when we we put our dog uh, in the crate before we leave for work, um, I put on pop music station for him, and then that's how I learn about pop music now. And I can never imagine that being the case eleven years ago. I would learn it from what was whatever was pay, played on PLJ, so which is now a Christian station. Yeah, that's right. I listened to PLJ in very because I was born in nineteen eighty three, and very nineteen eighty three born people. I sat in my car for the final minute of. PLJ and listened to it and recorded it. I might have cried. I'm not sure, but you did. Yeah, I've known you for 20 years. You've definitely. Yeah, I probably did. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, think about this. Like when we when we started the site, what what was the popular thing? It was like we were getting into that whole Stetsons and banjos, freak folk type stuff. That was what was dominating. None of like the synth stuff we're hearing now, and like it's just wild how everything's evolved, and um, that's going to be kind of my transition here to some of like our favorite moments here and one of mine favorite moments involves both of you um was in 2015 when mumford and sons held their uh, gentleman the road stopover in seaside heights which for me was um I, I worked there for a long time covering that area selling ads in that area for a magazine i worked at and to see the boardwalk shut down and i could drink on the boardwalk which was a lot of fun it's and, funny because for people who are, who don't who don't know the who only know Seaside Heights is like from an MTV show, um, which started the December we like two months after we launched well, the site. I'm proud that I've never seen an episode of that show, and I'd like to die oh. if never having seen an episode of that show. But, but my yeah, wife's best friend, my wife's best friend, her sister was a major plot point of one oh, one episode, wow. and it was not something anyone would look back on fondly. <laughs> but it's funny because you know we think of these places that have set music uh, festivals. Um, and we don't think of Seaside Heights as that. So it was weird to go to this place that's usually known for bad boardwalk games and mediocre pizza. And, you know, some of the pizza's people, good. You know, some of the pizza's fine. I'll put I the mean, sawmill over. You know, so, you know, and for someone like me who doesn't usually like to walk in the ocean or on, on sand, it was weird to see and amazing to see this boardwalk and beach area turn into a major music festival. And, you know, there were a lot of, I mean, Jenny Lewis played that festival. Yeah, and, she was great. And Flaming Lips. And it was a, a wonderful show. Yeah, I remember, Al, you were running around like a mad dog trying to shoot everything. And you got some amazing stuff. You, definitely with the Flaming Lips, you got some great shots there. Yeah. And, and then um, there's that one from uh, Mumford where it's yeah. a shot of Marcus and it's like, almost like a pitch black sky behind him. I, I almost get chill. It's not the Springsteen photo. I know what you're thinking of. But uh, it's that one just gives me chills thinking of that one. I remember so the things I remember about that festival were sneaking in a 15 pack of all day IPA, which I definitely gave to your underage cousin. Cousin, hundred percent. Um, I remember not having to run around. It was just everything was on one big stage, and I thought, I'm like, wow, that's a cool thing to do for a music festival. Not make me do three thousand miles of walking. Like see here now. Um, uh, more like Made in America or yeah, I mean, you. It feels like you're on like a planet, and you're just kind of like, oh. it, it's insane. 
Um, and then, yeah, the other thing was just being able to see uh, some of these bands for the first time. Um, I remember being blown away by like Dawes and uh, Alabama Shakes. Yeah, that was the first night, and and there wasn't a lot of people there that first night. I wasn't there. At least. Yeah, yeah. I I just remember. Um, I, I remember. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is it? Is it? Don't want to fight no more. I yeah. I just listened to that song the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, hearing Brittany Howard sing that live there, just like, that was like, I'll never forget that. And then Mumford just killed it. Feeling the feeling of getting like that shot, like the shot that you were thinking about for weeks. And you're like, yes, I got it. Or even just surpassing what you thought you were capable of as a photographer. That was the like one of the first times of like, wow, I do this for I would do this for a living if possible, just because it was such a awesome moment and, that's, and i would have a gazillion other moments like that uh for this site and uh stacy altamari our photographer and one I of met, our favorite people met, she was there i no no so i met stacy that's the first time yeah. i met her yeah yeah yeah. so but yes but that was the like the first the second time hanging out with stacy who's a close friend of mine now um and erica who's shot for the site as well and uh no, that was uh, the show before, but I, I met uh, MJ. Or Johnny Rawls, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he shot, but I, I no, met Stacey and MJ and Erica the same day. It was a 1045, Philly. probably. The 1045, one of the birthday shows. Um, so I had, a, I had a classic Brent and Bill moment at that show at the end. So, yeah, Brent, yeah. Brent, you kind of disappeared. Well, my phone died. As did mine. And I didn't know where it was. You had to go to the bathroom. I had to go to the bathroom, and then I was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to find Bill. I don't know how we found each other. I'm not even sure. Because I sat at the – because what you had to do is you – like, it was more toward the northern end of the boardwalk. You had to walk into the next town. Still on yeah. the same boardwalk, Seaside Park. So Seaside I Park, sat yeah. at a picnic table, and I waited probably 45 minutes for you to show up. And you were, yeah. like, one of the last people I just see with an, a newspaper under your arm. Like you were my dad coming out of the bathroom. Well, I had to. I also tried to buy a phone charger from oh, like yeah. good, a, this is a little. I think, think about how much the world changed in six years. I couldn't find a place that sold a phone charger. Which like is it crazy. wasn't a thing yet. Like that wasn't a thing yet where people carried like portable chargers and portable batteries. Yeah, it was. If your phone died, you had to wait to get back to your car or to your house. You know. Then they took us. They took us by school bus back to uh, back to our cars. Like we were at some school somewhere. Uh, that that was yeah, my favorite, and, yeah. and, and the photo I'm going to use for this uh, for this episode is it's a photo in the bar, spicy. It's Al, Brent, me, Joe Zorzi, and oh, that's right. I'm going to totally space on Joe's bandmate because Modern Chemistry played on the local stage. Brandon Horican. No, it wasn't Brandon. It was, was it? Wasn't Brandon? No, it was and it was another guy, and I totally forgot his name. Oh. He was a cool dude. I liked him, but I just totally his name slipped my mind. But yeah. Um, Al, what was um, outside of those two moments? What was what was some of your favorite moments in the last your run with Pop Break so far? Uh, it's it's insane. Like even thinking about it, like because every, it's seven years. Because it, it, like it's we a did long, a lot, <laughs> a long time. And it's funny because every time I think about Pop Break, I'm like, oh man, I got to shoot this band um, or go to this because like, we got we got to talk it, about Phoenix. Uh, but I always forget, like, oh, I got to interview some amazingly awesome people from 
being on Pop Break. And Rami Malek, I know that's one of the big ones. Yeah, I mean, the, the cast of Mr. Robot, Bob's Burgers, uh, Archer. Kevin Smith. I mean, uh, some crazy, crazy stuff. I, I got to meet Adam West. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, like, hundreds of moments like that, just from, like, you know, attending concerts, even when we used to do, like, a, you know, a t- like, a lot more phone interviews, like, just, you know, yeah, someone's got a new album or, or a weird concert, we, we those did, things that still exist. Yeah, we did, uh, the one thing that I say that was a bummer was we used to be on a lot of uh, TV conference calls, so they, yeah. they're not as, they're not as frequent these days, but my favorite Al moment, now, the one that like was a true moral victory for me, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, is Interpol at MSG. I mean, Brent, I know you you enjoy Interpol. I I'm, do. I like Interpol a lot, but they have been a band since they started that has always been on the radar. Where they played Paramount Theater in Asbury, tried to get in to shoot them in the early days of us shooting, and it just never happened. For years and years and years, we tried. I'm also trying not to sneeze right now. Sorry. Uh, is oh, allergies suck? Is tried for years, and we ended up through friends of our old buddy Brent Jay Kundrath. Oh yeah. Because of his brother and hit Rob Fitzgerald, they were both in a band Hero Pattern, then in a band called Cicada Radio, who played one of our pop break shows, uh, which I'll talk about in a minute. Is uh, they work for a video, a music video promotion company, and they work some magic for us. And like we went through three or four different companies, and it came down. I am talking to Al on blind faith. Took a train in the middle of the winter to the garden, and was like, "Fingers crossed!" Like I'm, it's a Saturday show. I am on the phone, texting, emailing, sending like ravens out to get this to happen. And at the last minute, Al got in there to shoot it, and he texted me this photo of the lead singer behind this massive disco ball. And I can tell you that I did cry because I was just like, we worked so hard to get it. And it's a band Al always wanted to shoot, and we had it locked down for another venue, and then it got yanked. It it was just like, it was just like, ugh. And we got that, and I sat there, and like, that's that's amazing. One of my other favorite Al stories is, we're shooting Brian Fallon at Starland Ballroom. <laughs> I live five minutes from Starland Ballroom. Al calls me. He's like, oh, dude, I just realized I don't have a memory card for my camera. Yeah. Uh, can you drop one off? And I was like, you motherfucker. And I had to race there. Luckily, I'm just like, I had to call Maria, our friend who works at Starland. Like, just tell security to let me up to the steps so I can do this. And she's like, fine. And we got in there yeah. and we did that. And that was great. And then if Brian Fallon, Brent told I didn't realize Brian worked with us and Benny Horowitz, the yeah. drummer of Gaslight at, at Targum. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the, the Gaslight Anthem Targum connection is very strong. Yeah, but Brent, how about you? You've done a lot with the site. You did you did some stuff. What was what was some of your favorite moments? And and you've played because we've done a lot of live shows. You've played a lot of those too, so. Yeah, that I mean, the, the playing the live, the fact that we have live shows is really fun. The idea that a site could promote like that, and it's been an honor. My band, the Clydes, have played a few of them, and it's it's always been fun. You get to know other musicians, and you play for good crowds and at the Jersey Shore. But I mean, the biggest thing, and I always tell this when I talk to like journalism classes and, and students, I said, besides the fact that 
journalism is you are you are the first draft of history and teaching people what is going on in culture and politics and sports at, at one time you also get to hang out and talk to a lot of interesting people and oh, the fact that yes. our little website was able to and i give bill full credit for this the fact that we were able to score all these interviews with these amazing people is beyond me i mean you know i've i've I got to interview, as Bill has mentioned, one of my favorite and one of the very most underrated singer-songwriters of his generation, Duncan Sheik, a okay. few times. So let, let, me, let me stop you there, because i got to give <laughs> Al a little background on this one. So when we were in college, you know Duncan Sheik, obviously. Yeah, I am barely breathing. Barely breathing. He oh, wrote, yes. He wrote Spring Awakening, the music for yeah, Spring yeah. Awakening. So he played um, a show when we were in college, and Brent's a big fan, and we went to go interview him. And... He like flipped out when he said like he was like if you like John Mayer check out Duncan Sheik and it wasn't a very good interview because he gave really <laughs> shitty answers. So one of my goals in life was like I have to avenge Brent like for this yeah. inter- and, and I don't know what he was he was playing was he playing like New Hope or something like that he was. Uh... Yeah, I don't remember what it was. He was playing it, something. It was something like that. It was like with the Bucks County Playhouse. Yeah, it was. Or yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was the New Hope Winery, New yeah. Hope, Pennsylvania. Yeah. So we, uh, I, I, I tracked him down, and Brent like got this amazing interview. The same weekend, I also got Brent an interview with Wang Chung. Yeah, that's right. Which I did. I did the interview in my car at the parking lot of the Ramada in uh, in West Windsor, New Jersey. Because I was driving home, like, and I know that Ramada I well. I've... Time, and I'm like, I'm going to pull over into the parking lot of this Ramada, wow. or maybe it was a Red Roof Inn. I don't know. I can't. Remember. But it was very, very Jersey to do the interview there. But yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got to interview a lot of, you know, I never interviewed Kanye West, but well, we but, all, you know, we almost did, and when we were in college, but that's true, he blew we us off. <laughs> Forgot about that. But uh, he was more interested in, in, in talking Get... to the Rutgers coeds. No, he was more interested in getting to his next high-paying gig at another school. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, I mean, that's the the, the greatest thing. I, and I'm, all the other great people I've interviewed are now eluding me. Um, well, there was the Jim Blossoms who we ended up hanging oh, that's out right. with. Who we hung out with after the show. That's right. And you got their autograph, and I sat there and had pizza with them. <laughs> yes, I had them sign that my was copy the fir- a miserable experience. That was the first show back uh, from Sandy for the Stone Pony. Yes, that was. Yeah. So you know, it's it's. It's again, you're teaching people about culture, but you're also getting to experience those some of your heroes and getting to know them and talk to them, and, and that that's that's a great. Those are some great memories. Um, for me, you know, there's been a lot of cool stuff. You know, been able to interview accidentally, you know, not supposed to, but you know, interview everyone from Rob Zombie to Weird Al to shooting shows that I wasn't supposed to and like I basically lucked into a lot of stuff I shot Mumford and Sons in front of 20,000 people in Hoboken um, Rob Zombie and, in, in the PNC Vanguard Center and like talking to pro wrestlers and working with WWE and AEW and New Japan and like but that's to me like that's all cool stuff for myself but like that's not the best thing for me watching this is like one of the joys is to be able to do this every day to have this outlet to write but also to see people like al grow up in front of my eyes um see people go off from the site even though it sucks losing them to go work in great places and just to watch writers just 
evolve right before your eyes into these great people and also the friendships that have grown out of this like i consider al's i got he probably hates me but i consider al one of my best friends you know and um you assumption perfectly correct uh, well all right and uh you know and, and to see like other people on the site like start being creative and grow and see like Matt and Marissa, you know, Matt Taylor and Marissa Carpe, go, they're, they're going to see movies together and, you know, like, Logan's hanging out with people. Who, Logan, who I brought from my high school days to come, right? And, like, just to see everyone, like, working together. And then I got a five-year-old over here who wants to come up and say hi to me. I um, I also, one of the things I, I love doing was, it, it's not just, like, it, it start, the site started very selfishly because I'm like, I need an outlet to write. But to me, to be able to see people go and shoot shows for bands they've loved forever or interview people they loved forever or go see a movie for free or just be able to write, you know, that's what's been the most rewarding thing for me to see the joy people get from it and to see it, you know, put out in their work. And uh, there's a lot of people to thank for it. And uh, thank you, everyone. I think I've thanked you guys before in the past in our 10-year podcast, which I'll link here. But... um, Operic's been a big part of my life, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Brent, if it wasn't for you, you know, being along with me for the beginning and making sure I did it and Al sort of kicking my ass along the way for the last seven years to make, to keep pushing me, we wouldn't be where we are today, which is, you know, a fairly mediocre site. So thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> our, our pleasure. You, you do a great job running the site and, and you should know that. So. I appreciate it, guys. Um, and I'm trying to learn to take compliments better these days. So um, that was enough mushy goodness. Let's move into our next segment, which is a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! And the reason I'm laughing is because we're talking about one of Brent's favorite actors. Someone he's lauded and put upon a, a pedestal for years, and that's Vin Diesel. <laughs> the Vin Diesel. The, the story goes. Okay, so let me let me defend myself. To, just, to just to go. When, when we were in college, remember Boiler Room, which yes. was like you know like like Glenn Gary Glenn Ross for the Y generation. So that was like so he it was Giovanni Ribisi was the lead. Ben Affleck played a very small supporting role. It was post. It was post-Goodwill Hunting, Ben Affleck. So I was like, oh, yeah, I might have even been in high school. I might not have even in college. And Vin Diesel played an outstanding role. And I was like, this guy's got charisma. He delivers his lines well. He, he, he chews scenery. He takes the screen. And I was like, this guy's going to be a great dramatic actor. He has a lot of chops. Boy, was I wrong. So, <laughs> so Boiler Room Vin Diesel should have gotten an Oscar nomination. Like, Triple X Vin Diesel? Probably also should have gotten an Oscar nomination, but Vin Diesel started out on a very high note. That's all I'm going to say. Well, because Pitch Black was uh, that was a big breakout for him too, and Saving Private Ryan, he had a big role in. So yeah, I feel like after Pitch Black, like he was just like, I'm just going to be an action star. Yeah, you know. But then again, you thought he should have been nominated for um... Boiler Room. I have the DVD somewhere in my giant collection of of, of, of DVDs. So very good movie, Giovanni Ribisi. Also underrated in that movie. He's also really good in that thing you do as the original drummer of the oh. Wonders. But that's a whole other story. Oh, yeah. well, we stand the Wonders and everything that thing you do on this side. Yeah. Um, well, the reason we're talking Vin Diesel, it's not because we're talking about the, the new Fast movie, Going to Space, which we talked about with Alicia a few episodes ago. 
We're talking about the fact on uh, some show hosted by Kelly Clarkson that uh, it's, it's her show. She's like she has her own. Uh, I don't know if it's like Kelly or something, but they're the Kelly Clarkson show. It's, which it's is a talk cool. show. Oh, daytime talk show. And I found out Drew Barrymore has her own talk show. She now. is, yeah. Because you know? why not? Yeah, why she not? was pretty good on it. I saw a clip of it. I'm like, all right. There was one with Busy Phillips that actually on E that actually I got canceled, but that was pretty good. I was like busy tonight or something like that. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm the only person who saw it. Probably that's why I got canceled. Vin Diesel was on Kelly Clarkson's talk show. Yes, and yeah. that's where he. That anna- is a sentence I never thought I'd say right there. Uh, he so he announced the fact that he is working with uh, famed DJ. I'll put in quotes because some people may never have heard of him. Kygo to release a new single. Vin Diesel. Yeah, that guy with the gravelly voice. He's, Would he's, it be a debut single and not like a new single? Has he ever recorded music before this? I'm gonna hope not. Yeah, I don't think. He <laughs> I think he, I'm trying to think. He jokingly has, or was, or was featured on a song. I might have to do some half-assed uh, research for that. But hold on, I'm just well. He's on Spotify, oh, and the no. only thing that's on Spotify is this song. Okay. The song right. is called "Feel Like I Do," yeah, and it and it's got a half million streams already on, on yeah, Spotify. Yeah. So a lot of boiler room fans out there. A lot of boiler room fans out there. A lot of fans of the Pacifier checking this one out, uh, guys. You listen to the clip, uh, Brent. I'm going to go to you first. You're our esteemed guest. You know a lot about music. You're a musician, a lead singer yourself. What'd you think of Vin's uh, foray into the world of uh, music? Sorry, I'm laughing so much. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely places for novelty songs. You know, the Macarena was number one for 15 weeks or 14 weeks. So party all the time. I mean, was yeah, a song. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the record, but you know, I'm sure you know there's an audience for this. Obviously, half a million people have streamed it. So who who am I to say? But you know, I, I wouldn't go out and rush to buy the cassette single at Clam- Camelot Music in Brunswick Square Mall. God damn! Every time they I still have it. cassette singles, right? <laughs> no, so, there are some people who do. Res- Release cassettes, and as Al check makes another bet foolishly on a parlay. Um, I used to buy cassette singles all the time. I have Wyclef Jean's Gods on November on the, the cardboard sleeve. You used to buy a Camelot Music. Take that, old people. I don't think I've ever bought a. I don't think I ever shopped at a Camelot Music. Yeah, they had one in East Brunswick Square Mall. They turned into an FYE. Now they just sell a lot of Funko Pop things. Funko Pops and like like random chach. And I go in and like, do you have the Third Eye Blind song? That- <laughs> Can I get that on a single CD? Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Al, what did you think of this uh, magnum opus from Vin? I mean, honestly, I don't know why this is a slice of fried gold and not a seriously what the fuck. Well, because uh, we're talking, we want to put ourselves over first. And there's <laughs> <laughs> Brent's dog makes a cameo. Hodges. Hodges. Huh? We had Sophie and Hodges. Sophie. Now we all, all you need to do, Al, is get to get Parker and Hops on this podcast. Yeah, let me go wake up Parker. Yeah. And then uh, grab Hop so he can uh, just destroy this murder basement. Oh, uh, no, don't um, worry. I, the murder creatures will come down soon enough. Maybe I should put him down here, and he'll like attack them, or he might get swept away uh, by one of them. Anyway, uh, Vin Diesel singing, not great, um, not needed. <laughs> also, um, I don't think 2020 deserves any more heartbreak. Um, so I don't think we need this song. I, listen, the guy is like. I don't know. He's like 62. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the words like he wants to be. He wants to be the rock, right? 
Like we know this. Like he wants to be that that guy that can just literally do anything, and he's not. The he guy. doesn't have a tequila. I'll tell you that. No, but like I mean, he is a legit action movie star. He's got his own franchise. He's a producer. I get all that, but like he wants to just have his hand in everything. Like the Rock is like successfully doing. Um, I don't see that for him. I want to see him branch out and do other roles, but like I don't yeah. think like mumble singing on a on a on a on a dance song when no one is dancing right now is what we need. I'd like to see him do other stuff. I'd love to see him do uh, a comedy, like a legit not a not a Disney babysitter comedy, like a legit like Seth Rogen movie. I think would be cool. I don't think I'd like to see him act on Broadway. Like you should you should you should actually show he has acting chops. That would be I mean and he they said should it. revive Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and you know he played Big Daddy. Holy shit, that is some Tennessee Williams deep cut on, <laughs> on this podcast. Um, we don't get a lot of Tennessee Williams on this podcast? No, no. Oh, I'm going to yeah, say no. Uh, and Drew Barrymore can play you know, Scarlett O'Hara's role. I mean, that's not her real name, but okay. No, her real name is Vivian Lee, but most people know her as Scarlett O'Hara. So. That's true. Um, I thought of uh, Catherine O'Hara for a second. I'm like, what? And I'm like, that would nope. be interesting. Catherine O'Hara and Vin Diesel and Cat on the Hunting Roof. Terrible. I gave it to you. That, that's, that's a background movie in a Coen Brothers feature, like, uh, yeah. remember in Burn After Reading? Vin Diesel yeah. in a Coen Brothers movie. What about that? Oh, that actually that would, would be, be good. That would oh, be good. Diesel, where art thou? Dude, I, I'm thinking, like, the, you're right. Like, Vin Diesel has enough cachet right now. Like, he could just keep making the fast movies and just do what Jason Statham did and go into yep. a role like Spy and be amazing and make Christ. everyone laugh. Or do a just, movie like The Bank Job, which, yeah, it's still an action movie, but, you know, had more acting in it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I think your first point was way better. Like, have him in – like, Jason Statham in Spy – is one of my favorite oh, performances I, mean, I think I've ever seen yeah, in the last I mean, like twenty years. Fred, have you seen Spy? It's, I've not, but I, no. I, know, I know people liked it. Dude, I am telling you. Yeah. Watch don't watch it on TV, like cable. Like don't. watch it watch rated it rated R, unedited. You will enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah. And Oh, it's great. And uh but I would love to see Vin Diesel in something from like an H and something in HBO, even like a doesn't have to be starring. Like a small role in a Netflix thing or an HBO but that's thing. That's the problem. He's never going to do that because he wants to be the Rock, right? So he wants to be the guy, the star. He has that, as you said, like the cachet to just be the star of every action movie ever for like the rest of time. He won't. I don't think his ego would allow him to be the minor character in a comedy. But he if has you to told be the guy. But if you told me, I don't know, because like there are certain people you see and you're just like, hey, The Rock, do you want to be in this HBO 30 minute comedy drama in, with ballers? And it did wonders for his career. In fact, he's living, he's, he's living, he's living out his whole world, <laughs> his whole art and the producer of the show. I'm saying that like, yeah, but I'm I mean, they keep Vin Diesel, Diesel could would that. not like do a favor for someone. Like, I don't think even, like, if James Gunn said, hey, I'd love you to come play in the Suicide Squad uh, world, and you die ten minutes into the movie, like, oh, I don't I, die. I never die. Like, it so just that, was never going to happen. Like, that, he's that guy. Some interesting. The ego has gone, he has gone, like, like full on, I am the biggest thing in the world. He's so, gone, I don't he, so he's yeah, gone full yeah. on Van Damme. 
Oh, yeah. What's weird is like, have we gotten to an era where those type of people don't aspire to do like, like Mel Gibson in the eighties did Hamlet, you know, and those people took breaks from, from lethal weapon and, and, you know, did Tom Cruise took a break from Top Gun and made Rain Man and was nominated for three Oscars in, in 10 years. Like, does that not happen anymore? Yes. Yeah. is break. This is him. Like movies. Yeah. On production. I'm going to have a singing career. This is so, that's so weird. Like I just, I feel like that just, yeah, that, but that's what the Netflix stuff like. That's what like Netflix and Hulu and Prime and all these shows yeah. and HBO. That's that's what, that that's what it is now. And people are just like, I'm going to go do this. That's what we're seeing. Like Meryl Streep going to Pretty. Um, yeah. No, I was going to say Pretty Little Liars. Jesus Christ, that is a different. I show. noticed that the other day. I watched the the Emmys, even though I don't know like any of the shows. Like I know them. I know them. I just haven't seen them. And I noticed like. Like seventy five percent of the nominees are either Oscar winners or Oscar nominees, yeah, and that never would have been the case like twenty years ago. Yeah, TV was like you don't go to TV. You George Clooney goes to movies, not the other way around. Yeah, and I feel like television has changed a ton in that respect. A, a million. Regina King wins an Oscar, you know, and then she goes to do TV and wins an Emmy. Like yeah. that never would one, have which been which is like an amazing like one of the most amazing shows of all time. Yes, and, um, I, and I'm gonna uh, just. Hold on one second. I have to correct myself because so many people are going to be like, how in the Jesus Christ did you call this the wrong thing? Big Little Lies, not yeah. Pretty Little Liars. Matt Taylor, please pick yourself up the floor. I apologize. Um, I'm going to go the opposite of you guys. I'm not going to say I like this song at all. I did not. But was it on the level of celebrity shit that we have heard in the past? Was it Don Johnson's heartbeat? No, it wasn't. Although that is a classic. Was yeah, it party? Good as she's like the wind by Patrick Swayze. Oh, no, like don't ever disgrace the Swayze. And exactly. like, that's a great song. Uh, it's better than Respect Yourself by Bruce Willis. Oh God, any like Bruce Willis yeah. or you know Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Like this, the the, the that's a bop. It, yeah, I mean, Party no, All the Time's a bop and a banger. A banger. Yeah, it's a banger. Yeah. It slams, as the kids say. It, well, no, the kids would say it fucks, but you know, it's it's a it's a mood. Uh, but Vin Diesel working with Kygo has the uh, luxury of being auto tuned and layered with electronics so heavily that it's not that offensive. But to me, it's just white noise. It's just yeah. like whatever. This is a is thing. It happens. Tygo, like, like, is he like? Is someone asking, saying, like, you know, we're going to go to the movies, and is he saying like, Tygo? Is Fuck. that like where it comes from? Twenty <laughs> years, my friend. It I never gets old. I love Solid. it. That's one Solid. of your better ones. I gotta say, it's a good one. That is it. That is ah, God. End the pod right there, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> that was good. So Vin Diesel. Uh, I don't even remember the name of your song. That sounds unmemorable. It is. Feel, feel like I do. Yeah, that's the most generic title going today. No, I mean, yeah, like everything you said is is right. Like it's not a, like it's not like a so bad it's good. It's, it's just not like Macho a, it's, Man Randy Savage doing a rap album, which I reviewed no. in college. No, it's or, <laughs> or like any that's of, the most on brand Bill Bodkin thing ever. Any yep. of the eighties um, uh, actors slash wrestlers that said, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make a hit single." Um, no, yeah, it's it's the it's very bland. It's you know. The, the, the with modern dance and EDM music, like it's you, you're really just you're either built on the singer or you're built on the beat, right? People don't even like how many you know number one songs were you know a, a word said in an EDM song and not even like full lyrics, you know? Yeah. I mean, it really like 
it, it, it can go either way, right? So, you know, people like Kygo and Calvin Harris and Diplo, they're, you know, they're, it's just all features, right? And like having the name Vin Diesel attached, obviously, will get people to listen to it. How many half a million uh, listen, you know, uh, streams already? So, but again, it's just it's just boring and and just not needed. And he could be putting his effort into making Boiler Room Two or something. That's true. Or he could get his uh, Hannibal uh, movie, not the uh, the Roman general Hannibal, uh, not. Not Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, he's been trying to make that movie for 15 years, and it still has not come to fruition. Which is weird to me, because I feel like we're in the generation now. Was like I remember like when I was like first getting into like obsessed with like movies and television and stuff. So like you know early 2000s, right for me. Um, I remember these like long and developed projects, and I feel like in the world of streaming, like that shouldn't exist anymore. It's just yeah. such a bad, it's just, it's, this is, that would be the equivalent of John Wayne, and this legit happened, John Wayne playing Genghis Khan, which is yeah, like one of the worst, terrible. it's regarded as one of the worst movies ever, and that's when people are like, there was some people were like, Vin Diesel's hot, let's give him money to play a Roman general, and other people were like, Yo, this could be the worst. It's about a Roman general who used like elephants and stuff like that. It's just like, guys, no, this is a bad fucking idea. And he's been hammering at that idea forever. Well, we almost got a Keanu Reeves starring Cowboy Bebop adaptation that Which should have happened. Absolutely not. And according to should him, have. he's amazing. I quote, he said, it would cost like a billion dollars. First off, do don't ever besmirch the name of Keanu. He would have been um, amazing in it. You that know was a, he would have. It so, would have been terrible. It wouldn't have. Because um, it was in like the Constantine era of Keanu. Oh, yeah. That would have been. Yeah, but he was still it trying to be bad. I mean, maybe. Just, like, or not. People are using him right. They're like, oh, if he doesn't talk, people like him. Mm, I like Keanu no matter what. Great oh, I love Keanu I now. I love the guy. I like him then. And that, I that's my number one moment from Pop Break, meeting Keanu Reeves. And I've told this story on the go. podcast. Um, but let's move into our next segment, which is always sung but never requested, Music in a Time of Quarantine, Hey, uh, which is where we talk about songs or albums or bands that were have helped us get through quarantine. So, Brent, again, you're our, you're our music guy. What do you have for this segment? I'm sure it's going to be such a – it's either going to be super random or it the deepest of polls. I mean, besides the fact, like, you know, um, I, I I told Alexa the other day to, to play, you know, songs by the jam, the 1970s British group while I was doing laundry. I but like, you know, I've, I've been going back to listening to things that I haven't heard in a while. I, I went, I was, I was on a kick to listen to Squeeze, another person I interviewed, Great. Pop Break, Glenn Tilbrook, lead singer of Squeeze. Yep. But you know what I did was I, I, I got the new Taylor Swift album because I was curious. I've never bought a Taylor Swift album before. Um, I, you know, I know the singles, like I know, you know, what everybody knows. And I'm like, all right, she's, she's working with the national and, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give this a gander. And, uh, and I listened to it, you know, it wasn't, it was like the national made a bunch of tracks and had Taylor Swift sing them. That, that's kind of what it was. But, you know, I, I give her credit for trying something a little bit new. Um, but you know, I figured I'd give it a shot. And I also like, you know, some of the ways she promoted and told a Beyonce and, or at least in the middle of the night. and So that that's one weird thing, you know, 37-year-old Brent Johnson got into Taylor Swift. Hey, man. So, Ain't nothing she's wrong. Not, I, mean, I give her, I mean, you know, the, the I really think of the, and this could be, 
you know, wrong, but people who are huge pop stars, and I give Beyonce credit for this because she's still doing new things. People who were pop stars in the 60s and 70s would would try and do something like really experimental. You know, the Beatles, they, they didn't just want to remain mop tops. They kept doing different things, the Beach Boys. And and I feel like I give credit to, to artists today who try something different, and she tried something different. It wasn't exactly groundbreaking. It wasn't like Taylor Swift released OK Computer, but... But I, I enjoyed it to an extent, and and it, the songs are pretty good. And I give her credit; she's really talented, and and the fact that she's able to keep her career going, making original music that that's good, and the, you know, props to her. What was it? What would you say is your your song off of that record, off of folklore? Oh, I mean, the single is really good, Cardigan. Um, the, my the song I like the best on it is called Illicit Affairs, which has kind of like Elvis Elvis Costello, my all time favorite artist. Very true. It kind of has Elvis Costello like lyrics um, about the title, like Illicit Affairs, and then there's this, the other single that's like her return to country called Betty, which is really catchy. Um, you know, you know, there's some good stuff on there. I, I don't know if I would go back and like buy uh, like You Belong to Me and and stuff like that, but but you know, again, I give her credit. It, it, she took a chance, and and, it, and it's pretty good. Uh, Alphonse, I'm a uh, I'm a huge Swifty. Um, <laughs> no, I swear, I really. Yeah, have... no, again, she's talented. I'll I will. I I've I've loved her forever. I've had a, a huge crush on her when I was younger. Um, and then uh, I just kind of followed her career because she, you know, you, you mentioned already. She started in country, worked her way into pop, and now she's, you know, w- whether it was Reputation and going into more like um, like hip hop and like urban kind of. Uh, Music and then uh, with with uh, this one, um, which was called what was the, the new one called? Folklore. Folklore, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love Exile off that. Yeah, Exile. Bear. 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 I love Bony Bear. By the way, I yeah, like how I, everyone says like when he guests on something, it's just like, well, it's Justin Vernon of Bony Bear. I'm like, they're not getting the fucking bass player, guys. Of course, it's Justin Vernon. It like well, he. I mean, like he with is. my one of my picks for this week is is the Shins, and the Shins were a band for a long, Friends long time. Friends of Big Shins, I uh, love the Shins, but you know, after they kind of split from after winning the night away, James Mercer became the Shins, and then he just kind of made a super group of like musicians with him. After they have that. new music out. Oh yeah, they just released a new single. I love the Shins. Are I mean, their 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 first two records are. Perfect. I love yeah. Shoots and Arrow is one of my very favorite records of all. Time. Oh, Shoots and Arrow! I I've said I think on this podcast during quarantine I like rediscovered my like love for that because like it's not my favorite album, but it's probably their best album. Yeah, is that Just all the stuff where Garden, uh, that ended up on Garden State? That was the first one. That's, that was uh, Owen Bird that's World. Owen Bird World, yeah. Yeah. Which is a movie Brent and I both, I, I dragged Brent to see. I was yeah, like, we saw that I'm, together, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's a good movie. It holds up. I love it. Oh. So much. Um, oh, it's fun. But anyway, uh, yeah, they, they released a new single called The Great Divide, which is really good. Oh, solid. Christ, I haven't listened to it. Um, but I would love to just actually, my, my pick for this week, a uh, band that I really have always kind of known about, but never actually given a chance, I guess, your Taylor Swift. Uh, Fleet Foxes. I never really yeah. did the did the time did and the need. research to get into them. And um, Christian put me onto the the new album, and I believe you told me about it too, Bill. The, yeah. They just had a surprise release, just like Taylor Swift. It's which, called Shore. Have, is the name. Of we have to stop calling it that now, right? Because yeah, like, that's now how music is released. That's how music is released now. Like no one, there's no pr- promotion and billboards and shit anymore. That's all afterwards. People are like, I miss this that. is now on Spotify. Like listen to it. Um, 
Brent, we should. I, I miss the days of seeing TV commercials or albums or billboards yeah, for that, records. That was so cool. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. But uh, Fleet Foxes is great. That's a, yeah. they, they, and and like Beach Boys like vocals with folky like you know foresty type music. Yeah. And also another artist I absolutely loved was their drummer in their early Father days, John Misty. Father John Misty. So I love Father John Misty. Me too. And I'm a yeah. huge Father John Misty fan, but never listened to Fleet Foxes. Yeah, they, you can hear the crossover a little bit, but they're not exactly the same. Bit, yeah. but. No, because Father John Misty is like uh, you know, um, I always say. Yeah, like I always say, he's like nuts and probably on drugs and all that kind of stuff. But like <laughs> his the, his persona that he's created for, like like the, it's very like cynical and uh, yes. but I upbeat at sometimes. And I just yeah. love that about him. Uh, but yeah, their their album surprise drop uh, it was called Shore. Oh. Um, man, it is so good, like crazy good, and like um, it's like perfect I, for this time of year. I, this is not my type of music. This is like you yeah. guys to a T. And, like, yeah. it's perfect for, like, late summer, early fall. And oh I started God, listening yeah. to this on a Friday. I was just like, holy crap, this is such a good record. Yeah, and I, I was funny because I went to – I was in I was in Long Beach Island Friday and Saturday is a shore town in, in New Jersey. And um, the weather was, like, fall weather, kind of. Yeah. It was, like, you know, overcasty and all this. And, like, and that's the album. Like, the album is, like, you know, September – to the end of October. Like, that's what it feels like. It's like summer's over, but like, you're still wanted to like be here and you're, you're still, you know, visiting that shore town and no one's there anymore. And like, it just feels like that's the feelings I got when I was listening to it. And, uh, yeah, I, now it makes me want to listen to more fleet foxes. I will say another weird little music tangent is, um, I don't know if any of you have, I'm sure you do, but if you have a band that you've liked everything you've heard from, but never have given the time of day to go back and listen to like mm-hmm. other stuff from them. Mm-hmm. I had that a couple of weeks ago with bare naked ladies. Very misunderstood band. A very misunderstood band. A band sometimes a has, has been compared to, and I don't quite understand, but maybe it's because they have a overweight lead singer with glasses, but, <laughs> but uh, a, a very, because their singles were so jokey and yeah, you know, it's almost like one week and, and what's the song where I made you say underwear or pinch me, you know, and they're early. Rec- I mean, they have like really sad. Stephen Page has a fantastic voice. Crazy. You know, Crazy single, yeah. you know um, like Brian Wilson and um, uh, Call and Answer. Old Some of their songs are really sad and really deep. And I feel like they get misrepresented because they just look like a bunch of nerdy, overweight dudes from Canada. And that's that's sad that sometimes bands get pigeonholed like that. I also- yeah, and that's how... I guess that's how I felt too. It was like, oh, I like all of these songs. And then when I went back and listened to the first few records, which I think the only big hit from like the first two was um, "If I Had a Million Dollars." Yeah, yeah, which, which, which became which a hit only... later. Yeah, it did the live version when we were in college became a hit. Yeah, because they ah. then they started using it for the lotto and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. "If I yeah. Had a Million Dollars" was not a uh, out the box hit. Like yeah. I think their big single before one week was. Or at least where they had got airplay was for videos and stuff was old apartment. Yeah, what happened was they were big in Canada, and then they put out a live album called Rock Spectacle, yes. and they redid Brian Wilson, If I Had a Million Dollars, The Old Apartment, and they. Oh, there you go. People started learning it from that, and like when we were kids, Bill knows that one hundred six point three, the alternative rock station in Eatontown, yeah. used to play all those songs. And then what happened was in nineteen ninety eight, they put out Stunt, and one week became massive hit single. All of a sudden, they were like, oh. Bare Naked Ladies, but before that, they were just kind of like an underground, not underground, but like, you know, all rock band that was played on like 106.3 and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I always say, um, and we were just talking about New Miserable Experience, like I think like the quintessential sound of the 90s, like you could just like put on a Gin Blossoms album. Like I feel like that's oh. like – like everyone, like if you think the Clydes are our house band, the Jim Blossoms are a pop break house band. Them yeah, and no, Steel Panther I, band. I'm obsessed. With, I've seen them like six times. Like, I love so them. good. Brent, did you go to the show with me when they were in Seaside, or is that They Might Be Giants? No, I I went to They Might Be Giants. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the Green Room. Yeah. R. I. P. But like, I think um, it's all been done. Is yeah. like oh, that could be like a like here's the '90s in a nutshell. Like that is the. A, a, one of the songs you can put on like a, a playlist of like here is the 90s i yeah, wouldn't even say one week i would say it's all been done i yeah, love it. it does sound like that that era when it's funny like when <sighs> bill and i went to high school bands like third eye blind and the wallflowers yep. they, they, those were number one singles and i feel like yeah. that kind of guitar rock just is a very of its time and didn't didn't progress into the no. of, uh, the acoustic guitar ma- match with the electric guitar kind of like Very went much. away after the yeah we, we got we got the folk you know that little folk period where yeah. Ford and uh lumineers and head in the heart like they kind of yeah. exploded for a hot second and then it went away yeah. like it, it it's funny that the music that i am obsessed with from the 90s and still today had just this like one but, brief glimmer but yeah, it's it weird because it's like you went from grunge you had like that like little run of like bare naked ladies third eye blind wallflowers you had a little bit of the ska moving in, and then it was dominated by new metal. New yeah. metal, and then you know pop music like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. But yeah, but when you were yeah. just talking rock, then we got into what it, but kind of akin to what you're talking about, Al and Brent. I know you're a fan. That kind of mid aughts alt rock, like Kaiser Chiefs and yeah. and like yeah. Frank Ferdinand and all those, stripes. yeah, like that type of era. Like that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's the the. Um, I I think I've talked about the book. Yes, I, which um, I have to read. I need to read that. Have book. to read it. I think, I don't know if Brent knows the book though. Brent, do you know the book "Meet Me in the Bathroom"? No, but I've heard of it. It's, it's kind of like follows the Strokes and all those kind of bands. And- yeah, like you'll love it because it's it, it's the like the emergence of that like alt rock scene in the in the early two thousands. Two thousand three. From the perspective of like the Strokes blowing up and then inspiring you know, a ton of music all over and like Arctic monkeys, and things like that. But it's the main storylines that you're given are the strokes, Interpol and yeah, yeah, yes. And it's very, all of them are still around. I'd like to know it. All I, of them still make music. Yeah. But the reason I love it is it's written in like a documentary format. So the actual, when you're reading it, it's just sound bites from all these individual people oh, who cool. are involved in the industry. I like that. And then apparently they are turning it into an actual documentary too. Oh, they should. But That'd be so good. They really should. It's a it's a, such an awesome book, um, and it's like like one that was written specifically for me. Bill, what's your pick? Well, I'm gonna give a little shout out to Pop Break because one of the great things about working on the site or running the site, I'll say, for the last eleven years has been my musical palette has been open greatly, um, and. <laughs> about none of the stuff we've talked about. Well, we've been lucky to shoot Franz Ferdinand. We've been lucky. I believe we shot Bare Naked Ladies um, and bands like The Strokes and the AAS. Um, but like what this site did for me opened me up to uh, jam bands. And I was a huge fan of like bands like I'm wearing a Bowl Live t-shirt, which is a, a, like, a multi-day kind of all-star jam from the band Soul Live. Um, Bands and the jam scene has been wonderful to us. We've shot fish a million times and we've shot 
talked to like Humphreys McGee and Galactic and bands like that. And we're also like I've mentioned before, the unofficial sponsor of Jams on the Sand, which has just blew my mind, my my musical soul up to a lot of stuff. But because but that's not what I'm going to pick. I just wanted to say that I'm a big jam band guy now because of Pop Break. But uh, since Pop Break is huge in the Asbury Park scene and we love Asbury Park dearly, the song I'm going to pick is going to be Ghosts, the new song from Bruce Springsteen. Which is really, I, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, who, uh, he, the, the single before that, Letter to You, just sounds like paint by numbers, like late Springsteen. Ghosts like, is like, I can still do this. Look at how good yes. a songwriter I am. Ghosts yeah. is like, kind of, to me, was like, hey, I'm going to decide, this is kind of a Western Stars hangover song. Yeah, uh, with, especially with the guitar, with the guitars played, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a little different than Western Stars. I was kind of disappointed. It felt like he was going for a Western album, not a country album, like a Western album. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt with this one was a very. Um, I don't know why I'm opening my phone again to see the name Ghosts, but it felt like an E Street song. Like I heard, I felt this was the most E Street stuff he's done. Excuse me, in quite a while, because I, I don't know. I just like. I like some of the Springsteen solo stuff, but like to me, it's like give me classic horns and harmonies and gang chorus and like evocative lyric Springsteen. That's what I yeah. want to hear. And well, I have a really like uh, Magic. His 2008 album is, is one yeah, of the Magic. Magic, Magic flies Magic under the radar. Then, yeah, Magic's great, and he, ever since then he hasn't. I haven't liked a ton of what he's done. But was this is Wrecking like Ball was okay as a song. Yeah, it was alright. But what was but the one that? What was it? High hopes. That was uh, that was yeah. an odd album. The, the song off of Magic Girl, the girls in their summer clothes, oh, which is one of the you, ten favorite Springsteen songs. You this and I is love similar that song. to that to me. It's kind of like, hey, I know I'm in my sixties now, but I can still write great rock music, and I, I think that's what this song does too. And it, the album cover is terrible. But Bruce, I have this theory about how since Born to Run, Bruce Springsteen's just put out the worst album covers of all time. Oh, sure. Like, it's pictures of him like standing in front of the camera, like, but. I really like this new song, so that's a good pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a latecomer to Springsteen too. I was, I was not someone who was a big fan. Most, my dad was always like, "He can't sing. He's terrible. He's like Bob Dylan. He <laughs> sucks." And uh, when I got, I you know, obviously doing more stuff in Asbury over all these years, you know, you come to appreciate uh, not only what he did for that scene, but you just come to appreciate his sound and his and his music, and it's it's been wonderful. And I'm. Glad I'm 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 into him and one day what um you know like I put over a few episodes ago one of my favorite photos ever on Pop Break is one Al God of Springsteen um, at See Here Now the first year where he came on to jam with um uh, oh God the band is going to escape me at the moment Al he'll tell me who it is um who's the band that springsteen came on was social distortion that's a social distortion it was a punk band from california but yeah so like that is still one of my favorite that's my favorite shot in pop break history and um and i i look at it and i and it's just emblematic of a lot for the site and uh so that's why ghosts is my pick this week go go listen run don't walk to listen to this i love that as someone who liked uh who really liked uh letter letter to you uh, I thought Ghost was even better, and it actually is getting me really excited about this album. Because do we have again? A, I'm not, do we have I'm a drop date for this yet, or no? Say it again. Do we have a release date for this record? I want to say yes, but I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't top of my head. I hope it's 2020. Uh, this would be a good Thanksgiving record. I'll tell I, you. If he's got two singles from it already, it I can't see it coming out this album yeah. this year. It makes would make would make no sense. 
Um, okay, so let's go into our next segment, which is the watch list, which is our recommendations for everyone to check out some new stuff. I'm going to switch it up with who's going first. Al, what do you got for the watch list this week? Ooh, I got two picks. So, um, date night movie, and also family friendly. Um, uh, Enola Holmes on Netflix. Oh, I've uh, watched it. Yet. I want to watch it. I actually had a chance to watch it uh, with my wife. It, it was weird. Halfway through it, I actually said to her, "I'm like, it's nice to watch something new, like a movie, like a yeah. new movie." Uh, which is strange because you know we we have not been in theater. I actually have not seen a movie in theaters with my wife. I don't think since my child has been born. I'm pretty sure. Oof. I have to think about it's that. Nearly for two years. Yeah, I think so. I, I again, I'd have to think about it, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, and then, uh, yeah, great great movie. Uh, you know, for those who don't know, it's about um, the younger six, uh, sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes, and. Uh, Enola is played by Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things. She crushes it. Um, it's in like a no-brainer franchise for for Netflix, mostly because uh, they surround uh, Millie with great talent. Uh, Henry Goddamn Cavill, uh, everyone's Henry man Cavill. crush. Played yeah, my, my Sherlock. Wife loves Henry he's he's so good in it too. Um, he plays like a very you know, it's it's tough to play a modern Sherlock when both Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch, two uh, two veterans of the MCU, might I uh, might I add, um, played uh, both amazing versions of the character in the last ten years. So, yep. you know, he plays a, a pretty great. It's just another. The, the, the issue though is you see him as Sherlock Holmes, and you're like, God damn it, he should have been Bond. Every time you see him in like one of these roles, you're like, why did they choose anyone else, or why are they continuing to use Daniel Craig when there's a perfectly good Henry Cavill here? And again, it makes you upset that they didn't do a Man from Uncle sequel. Oh, such a good movie! I liked the yeah. That yes, I liked three for three. Movie. Wait, you saw that in the movies? I did. I, I it's so good. Me too. So it's I not did. really my speed because I'm not a big action film guy. Although my pick is an action film. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, Army Hammer is a great actor, and, and, oh. and I, I like I liked Henry Cavill too. Yeah, oh, such a uh, man from Uncle guys. That's just the that's just the all around pick. Go also, the it. original TV show is good. Yeah, and there's also a song by Elvis Costello and the Attractions called "Man from Uncle," and you should check that out too. Probably won't, but the TV show is good. <laughs> yes, Robert uh, Vaughn and the guy who ends up he's the medical examiner in NCIS. He's been on forever. Sure. I'm not going to I don't even know who, what the hell his name is. Well, my parents used to watch it all the time. That's how I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the, the second small pick is um, something we have, we've mentioned on the, sh- uh, on the show before, but Duck, me and Duck Bill talk about it all the time, legitimately all the time, um, is the best show on <laughs> television right now. Um, it's called Bluey. And oh, yes. yes. It is a um, it is a Disney like a Disney Junior show I believe. Yes, um, imported from Australia. Imported from Australia. Um, one of my favorite things about it, and I always tell people, it, it was actually paid in part by the Australian government. Um, it is the best show, and I, the reason why I keep saying that is like someone made a uh, a comedy for infants and toddlers um, and five year olds. And five-year-old, like I don't know. What, what 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 do you think is the specific age gap for the show? I mean, you can get up to probably like six or seven on the age range. I've even yeah. seen my 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 one niece who's ten really enjoys it. 
Yeah, no, like that's why, like it's and it's, it's also not, for parents. <laughs> straight up parents. It's straight up adults. It's about a, a family of of dogs, uh, a, a mom and dad, and their two daughters. Bluey is the oldest daughter, and Bingo is the youngest daughter. Um, it is like modern day parenting um, is a, another way I can describe it. Um, but like you know, it's very short, 10, 11 minute episodes. Um, they're like it's just well written. Um, the, the subject matter is, is like so real. Like it feels like these are based off like the writer's individual experiences. Um, the mom and dad in the show are like model parents. Um, but not in like an unrealistic way. No, no, no. Like a legitimately like the, the model parent of like what a normal parent should be. Um, and the relationship with their children, um, at that specific age. Um, I love it so much and it doesn't need, um, a, um, celebrity voice cast to be great um it's very simple nice clean animation like it's i don't think i can compare it to anything i ever experienced when i was a child no because of the way it's written it's written for adults but not in a like you know we're gonna sneak some like inappropriate jokes in here Mm. this is like no not not in that sense like it's written for adults to show you how to be a better parent i think like I, every dad that I've ever talked to about the show wants to be the dad in this Disney Junior show. Uh, it is I don't know. I every person I talk to about the show loves it, and the and they, they talk about it in a way that's like, oh yeah, my kid loves the show. No, it's like, oh my god, it's the best show ever. Bill, yeah. you straight up said I've watched it without Sophie before. Yes. my yeah. wife and I have both I watched it. At season two, just I think they just finished the season two run on Disney Junior. I don't know if they aired all the episodes just yet, but it should be on Disney Plus soon. Uh, if you're into it, um, they are bringing a lot of the merchandise over. I know Target's yes. been selling some of it. I have, some, you know, Sophie has some of the characters but they're already. Not, the great thing about it too is they're not like saturating the market with stuff. They're not. They're being really smart with it too. Um, Although, someone, when you say about the, uh, tying it back to alternative music, the father was in a '90s Australian alternative band, which I've listened to. It's actually pretty decent. Wait, the the voice of the father? Yeah, he was. He never acted before. He was just a lead singer in oh a, my God, that's an amazing. alternative band that yeah. like made some noise in Australia, never anywhere else. And you know that's what he that's does. Nice. Brent, if you have Disney Plus or the ability to watch things on demand for Ju- Disney Junior, yeah. I highly recommend you just oh. just watch a couple episodes. We do have Disney Plus, so well, oh yeah, Brent. When it's... and if one day you when you become a dad. Um, no, you don't even need to. It I'm telling you, no, no, no. This this advice is: find TV cartoons that your kid and you can both enjoy. Because when I was growing up, we didn't watch any cartoons. You know, I watched Die Hard when I was like six. So well, I mean, amazing. One, my yes. parents showed us like adult like adult films. That's not what I mean. <laughs> my, my parents. Son, he has like, a point. I don't remember watching Sesame Street or anything. I, we just watched like. You know, regular movies when I was a kid. Here's so ordinary people. I'm right? probably Enjoy. not who you should follow in that respect. But I, yes, I will look forward to watching the show. But it is the thing. It's like you need to find like – and there are shows that are geared towards like that are your kids will enjoy that like adults can watch and just not be like – there are some that Sophie has watched that I'm just like – and Brent uh, – no, sorry. Al, can you can attest to the shows Barker has watched. We are just like, end me. Please. Yeah. It's it's weird, like as like, and I know I'm, I feel like I'm excluding Brent in this, but like as a dad, like trying to find things that you know make me not want to like murder myself. 
Um, like Bluey was a fr- like a breath of fresh air because I You're see welcome, things pal. that are popular, something like um, uh, PJ Mask or uh, or a puppy or puppy dog pals. Like, yep, much both. Man, these are like what what is the end result that you want here? You, you like, know you're who created just, you know who created puppy dog pals, right? Um, um, like I'm uh, like a homicidal maniac. Harland Williams, the creator of Seven Minute Ad. He was the Seven Minute or Six Minute Ads oh, guy yeah. from Something About Mary. Mary. You ever see something? Yeah, that's 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 a very 1998 reference. Yeah, it's it's. Go listen to Fastball and watch. There's something about Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, trust that's me. That's not the voice of the 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 guy, the yeah. owner, right? Yeah. Oh, he sounded familiar. Anyway, he's regardless. been in a million things. If you yeah, saw a picture know, of him, you'd I be like, the voice. "Fuck, I know who, exactly who it is." I know. Um, but what I'm getting at is like those shows. What I don't understand outside of um, entertainment, outside of merchandise, I don't see the end goal of like what the program is going to do to benefit the viewer, right? And I feel like at that age, that should be a thing, mm-hmm. like. You know, the smaller kids, Parker watches uh, nursery rhyme shows that they have on Netflix, like Little Baby Bum, that I, I want to kill myself. But it's teaching him things, whether it's shapes or numbers or colors or just or uh, dancing. Like when he when he sees like, you know, them synchronized dancing to something, he's learning something. I don't know what he's learning from some of these storylines of TJ Maxx. So, I'm, oh, yeah, PJ Maxx is uh, or uh, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, same thing. It's just yeah, like nonsense. Yeah, but I it's mean, not- like, think about when we were kids. Like, it's the same thing. We there was a plenty of kids shows that we watched. We were like, Brent just died. I don't know what happened. No, I'm, I'm trying to plug my phone in so it doesn't lose power. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, you know, there was a, a lot of lessons in there and watching sure. GI Joe or Transformers. James Bond Junior. Yeah, was, but ooh, that those shows call. were not geared towards Disney Junior my age. Son. Yeah. Yeah. So, like Disney, I feel has a responsibility with a channel that is directly for kids. And every show that I would watch when I was even like a preteen, stuff like Hey Arnold or Rocket Power, that's Nickelodeon shows that had messages and meanings. And Some it wasn't do like Vampirina. That was a show that did because it was all about like accepting people for their differences and like. You can get along with people who are different from you, and just like yeah. and like there was stuff like that, like puppy dog pals. It's like let's just do nice things for uh, for, the, uh, for the owner. <laughs> for the owner, Tots yeah. is another one. Sophie likes, and that's a lot about babies, and it's all about like fa- and like some of it's about family, and it's about responsibility. Uh, some of the shows like you'll watch before they come on, they'll actually say like on the channel, it's like here's what this show will teach your kids. Like it'll talk about this, 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 and this. But yeah. Uh, Bluey, it, off the point a little bit, but Bluey is a great show that a parent could watch and be like, wow, that was a fun and refreshing block of TV I can put on and not just want to just pour gasoline on myself and immolate. Um, this is this is something I'll enjoy. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of new babies out there in the world. You know, shout out to our never guest Logan Fowler, who had a son recently. Brent, I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah, I saw it on uh, social media. Are you on social media? I'm on Twitter. And he's oh, that's right. You Twitter. are on Twitter, yeah. Facebook uh, is the devil, but, you know, I, I do like Twitter. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. Um, so, Brent, what is your recommendation for the watch list? All right, week? so, I don't, I, like I said, I don't really watch a lot of TV besides, you know, Mark, Mark, New York Mark. Mets baseball and John Oliver. 
Oh, so, I'll, I'll be, sorry about like, the mess, We'll always say go watch last week tonight because it's the, the greatest, you know, political talk show ever created. But I recently, I don't know why, st- started for the first time ever, watch the Mad Max movies. Yes. And they're just so fitting for the world we're in, like, and in, in this, you know, strange dystopian feeling that's hanging over a lot of us. And now this country's being torn apart. And I was shocked at how just the pure, just the first Mad Max movie would the pure imagery of how well-directed and well-made it is. And then getting to Fury Road, which is the best of the bunch. Which is what really Al's favorite. It feels like it could be, a modern, could be a modern tale, even though it's supposed to be set in the far dystopian future. So, one, you know, you, 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 kind of what we were talking about before, you learned that Mel Gibson, you know, before all his controversy and the terrible things he's done in all his action films, was a really good actor. Yeah. Especially when he had an Australian accent. And two, George Miller, as a director, doesn't get enough credit with how much of a visionary he, he was in creating his own world. You know, we talk so much about George Lucas and, and creating a world of Star Wars. Basically, George Miller created a whole world that lasted four movies. And so that's what I've, I've been watching, and and uh, it's, it's brought a lot of clarity to me in the last few weeks. So I'd recommend anybody who hasn't seen the Mad Max movies uh, watch one, two, and four, and skip three because it's not very good. Yeah, three is three, three is, three is a good for, like, uh, it's just the word Thunderdome and a Tina Turner yeah. song. <laughs> But what made you, what made you start watching Mad Max? It happened to be I was going through. We still have cable, so I still have all the movie channels. Yes, yeah, and I was going through, and the original was on, and I was like, I'm going to restart this. I've never seen these movies. I'm going to go restart, and I was surprised. I really thought I thought they were just going to be dumb action films, and they're really not. They're really well made, really smart, really touching. And uh, you know, so, you know, the other thing I've been doing in this, I, I try and watch watch stuff that's relate related to the times. And I, I never watched The West Wing before, and I just started oh, The West right. Wing. I go to bed each night watching an episode of The West Wing, and it's incredible how much our politics have changed but still stayed the same from when that show started in the late 90s. We, so, we watched that you know, up for our TV podcast in the August episode. We watched the premiere, and yeah. Yeah, it's funny how – so I watch a lot of art that kind of reflects the times we're living in, even though it's not made for our times. I, I like I like seeing going back like 20, 30 years and seeing what art was like then and seeing how much things have changed and how much things they haven't changed. And it's incredible in 2020 how much those things still resonate, even if they're not quite the same. Great. Picks. Those are two two amazing picks, because uh, as Bill said, I'm a huge Fury Road fan. Yeah. Um, and I think it is, as we mentioned in uh, a podcast that we did about the best films of the decade. I think that was number uh, two on my list of the best films of the decade. Yeah, you could uh, argue it's one of the greatest action films ever made. It, it probably is oh, the greatest action. I think film one made. of the greatest, if you want to subgenre movies, car chase. One of the great chase movies of all time. Yeah, I think it's, it's def- the greatest chase movie because I rewatched recently. We watched The French Connection, which is always talked about with Gene oh, yeah, Hackman. Yeah, yeah. Great car chase, uh, but I've never seen the. I've never seen Bullet as a movie. I've seen The Chase, though. Fury Road, really. Yeah. And it's not and because of the effects, and it's like 30 years after those movies. It's just the story and what's in it is so much better. And the uh, and the West Wing um, is, you know, it goes without saying, one of the best TV shows of all time. Yeah. I, I can We can plug Sorkin uh, every half hour during this podcast. I'm cool with it because I love him as a writer. Um, I... Would love to because I now they they recently announced they're doing a like a benefit table read of yeah. of uh, one of like the 
more prolific episodes of the show's run. In an interview a few years ago, I remember uh, Sorkin saying if he would ever reboot it. Yes. If he ever would, the president would be played by Sterling K. Brown. And that just made me uh, so upset that that wasn't a true thing that was happening right now. We, which because we don't know that. I, listen, I hope that people start discovering the West Wing, like, you know, like a weird resurgence wave that like happens I'm, when, I'm when saying, they, I think it is. I understand that. But like what I'm saying, like what, what happened with community when it finally hit Netflix, people are like, Oh my God, what this show was amazing. I finally can watch it. Like, that's what it should have been the whole time. You know, it should have not went to Yahoo, should have went to Netflix, and then we would have already had the movie at this point. But, like, with the West Wing, like, and I think that's HBO Max, right? That's happening? It's on, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Max. Yeah, I think sure. I've been watching it on Netflix, but I'm, I'm not No, sure. it's on Netflix, but the table read thing, where is that Oh, the table read's going to be on HBO Max. That makes sense. Which I is, think which so. is a very under, you know, it's not, not everyone's getting HBO Max due to the Roku Fire Stick controversies, but a really good streaming service. Oh, it is amazing. Um, but yeah, so like, I hope that that maybe starts up, like, starts, you know, those talks. I don't know if Sorkin would do that though. I feel like he's like a, you know, he wants to go on to the next thing. But again, he's, he's always said now. that we could do a social network sequel, which is my favorite movie of the decade. Rent reviewed for uh, the site originally. Yeah, and and I know the uh, the actor well. So yes, you Jesse Eisenberg and I went to high school together. So you went to um, went to East Brunswick High. Yeah, with Jesse. Yep, he was a year ahead of me, but we uh, we we both uh, you know acted in school plays at the same time. And his mom was the at Hammersholt Middle School. His mother was the uh, the teacher, the a drama teacher. So she she directed me as Laser Wolf in Fiddler on the Roof. It's crazy that he's Laser never... Wolf. I played Laser Wolf in sixth grade. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, first off, it's just the, the fact it's called Laser Wolf. I'm like, you're not in Tron. Is that yeah, <laughs> that's a dope name. Uh, but no, it's crazy that he's never actually like. Next time I introduce you, you're gonna be fucking laser wolf. Part, like he's never like left uh, that like theater part. Like that's never gone away from him because he's been like writing and starring in plays yeah. and stuff for for years now. And that, that's that's very interesting. That I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna Great. give my pick real quick um, uh, because the. Spiritual sequel starts on October 9th, um, and I'm talking about Netflix's uh, Haunting of Hill House, which is created and directed by Joe Flanagan, who recently did... No, Mike Flanagan? Oh, shit. God damn it, Bill. Um, the guy named Flanagan, who I've talked about before <laughs> on this podcast. Who's not from South Amboy? Who's uh, from? Uh, I know. I'll tell you, Dr. Sleep movie. He directed Fla- Dr. The Flanagan's at O'Leary's from South Amboy. Uh, Flanagan's or Mike Flanagan. So Mike Flanagan, sorry. Joe Flanagan, I actually think pitched for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, but yes, this Flanagan directed uh, probably one of the big surprise hits uh, for Netflix of the last five years. Um, this kind of dropped a trailer and everyone was like, this is a haunted house movie. And it's like kind of in the, you know, the, remember the, the 1998, 99 film, The Haunting with yeah. Owen Wilson, Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta Jones, Lily Taylor. Same story, but adapted as a haunted house film uh, uh, series, um, starring mostly relative unknowns, except for uh, Henry Thomas was in it, as well as. Um, gosh, I am really bad on. 
who is in his stuff, but I will tell you in two seconds. Uh, so yes, and it, it it aired in 2018, came out of almost like I said almost nowhere. Uh, Carla Gugino is also in it. Uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was a main uh, character in uh, the, Haunt, uh, the Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss, which is a film I've talked about on this podcast before. It's great. Go see it. It's on HBO Max right now. Um, and it was, and Timothy Hutton's also in it. Yeah, and it's it's a haunted house series, but it also is um, about the trauma a family goes through because of this haunted house. There's one episode where it's two shots and it's two like forty like two thirty minute takes, uh, and, and it's amazing. And it's a funeral scene. And it's in the t- sorry, it takes place in a funeral home, and it's just so powerful and the scares in this are never jump scares they're always slow terrifying builds and that's the stuff that really gets you because you know there's terror around the corner and eventually it's going to come but they're never going to tell you when it's coming but when it does i still get chills thinking about some of the scenes um the storytelling in that show is just so great. Like I said, it balances traditional horror with just this familial uh, drama about a family that's been torn asunder and about the reconciliation, the hopeful reconciliation of this. It's a great watch and I highly recommend it because in, on October 9th, uh, the haunting of blind Manor, which is based on, but uh, based on turning of the screw is going to be coming out featuring a number of uh, cast members from, uh, Hill House. Uh, it's it, the the trailer. They dropped the full trailer earlier this uh, earlier last week. It just looks incredible. Another very subtly creepy, just rich story. And uh, man, if you like good horror and not the cheap jump scares and not like um, the Exorcism movies and stuff like that, this is just man. This is like good all-around horror, even if you're not a horror fan that you can definitely get into. So definitely check out Haunting of Hill House uh, on Netflix and also um, his other his full-length uh, Doctor Sleep, which was starred Ewan McGregor, which came out last year I talked about in the episode with Colin Cat. Great movie. Uh, it's the sequel to The Shining. It's um, Don't let that um, kind of mantle dissuade you from seeing because it, it sounds ridiculous it's a it's a terrific movie you and mcgregor is awesome in it so yeah haunting of hill house and if you have the time go check dr sleep out nice all right so we're going to move into our final segment which is a glimmer of hope this week we are talking about al you and i have talked about this before i was i'm pretty sure i was fairly wasted when i talked about this and it was uh Truth Seekers, that is the new Amazon Prime show that is written and I believe produced by, well, at least Alan Mine, uh, Brent, I'm pretty sure you're a fan of them, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. It's their first uh, full series uh, written and produced by them. It is about a group of ghost hunters who come upon a, well, like I said, haunted house. Simon Pegg plays uh, Nick Frost's employer. And uh, Malcolm McDowell's in this one. And uh, guys, you watched the trailer. Brent, what'd you think of this one? First off, are you a Peg and Frost guy? And then what'd you think yeah. of the trailer? Yeah, I, I, you know, they're, they're uh, what is it, the Cornetto tri- uh, trilogy that yes, they did sir. with uh, Edgar Wright? You know, fantastic. I mean, some of the best stuff uh, 
that's been done in the last 20 years in film. And obviously we've seen what Edgar Wright could do since then. But, you know, yeah, Simon Pegg and Nick Ross are both very funny guys. And this looks like it's going to be good. And, you know, uh, it's good to see them doing things together again, because I know they both, you know, just to get Simon Pegg away from the Mission Impossible series, which I, I don't like those films, but that's, that's me. What? Uh, I, I, again, I don't really like action films. So that I, is I, the I, coldest take of the night. <laughs> that is a hang-up My on wife was recently I, watching all I, the Mission I Impossible things, it. and I was talking about, what, what happened? To, talking about doing dramatic films. That, when did Tom Cruise stop being an actor? Okay. Before, or when did he, like, stop doing actual like have you ever seen him in rain man and born in the fourth of july he's a freaking awesome actor why because he can do his own stunts congratulations act for a change sorry it's my well no my I, rant I, on the mission impossible I, I okay i agree with you and like let's not forget uh magnolia yeah that was 2000 that was 1999 2000. I, no i agree i agree you're forgetting his best acting performance of all time tropic thunder Ooh. yeah okay that's true tropic thunder also was like 2008 that was we're it was still beyond a decade here. But, but no, no, but, no. Simon Pegg is the best part of those new Mission Impossible movies, I'd like to say. So, not a, not I a mean, Henry take. Cavill's mustache will argue with you. That's Ooh. true. But, true. but so I'm looking Pulls forward to the point. Sorry to, sorry to go off, off topic. That's what we have here. But that's, that, that was like your most off, like that was, the, that, I mean, that is very on brand for you to say that. But I was like, I'm surprised. I thought you would have liked those movies. Because the first one, the De Palma one, that's great. Yeah, the De Palma one's pretty good because De Palma's a really good director, and I know they've had real. I don't know. He did Snake Eyes, and I and I always question that. He also did The Untouchables, which is and he did. He also did Scarface. That movie's a piece of shit. He did also do Scarface. I hate Scarface. It's the worst movie. It's an iconic movie for all the wrong reasons. Also from Newark, Brian De Palma. So he gets credit for that. Um, But yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. Again, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, just the, the 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 scene alone of them when they first find out about what the zombie apocalypse is going on when they're sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. yep. that alone means I'd like to see more of them do things together. So. I mean, a slice of fried gold is based off that scene. Yeah, based off exactly it. Yeah, uh, I uh, I'm such a huge fan of theirs. Um, I got to ask them a question at a double uh, at the. It was a screening of double feature Hot Fuzz World's End, and it was the first time, uh, like, they were screening World's End. Like, it wasn't in theaters yet. So they were screening it, like, uh, you had to, like, win tickets to this event. And I got to, I was literally the first hand that went up during Q&A and got to ask them all a question. Huge fan. Um, I'm just excited for more things from them. And and it's cool, because this is, like, you know, their first TV series, but it's also from their production company. And, you know, they're working with a big streamer right now with prime. And it's a, it's like a no brainer for, for people to be interested because these guys love genre. They love playing around with it. And, you know, this is, it's, it's a topic that everyone knows of like this weird subgenre of like ghost hunters and stuff. And there's plenty of shows about it. Uh, people who try to do this in real life, and I would love to see how they, what their take up on it is, because they're not people who spoof. They they really try to get at the like the heart of it, right? And you could see it with the the Cornetto trilogy, like their love for zombie apocalypse movies, their love for uh, you know uh, police and uh, you know action movies and things like that, and then of course um, you know world-ending movies in the world's end. So um, I'm just excited for them to keep doing 
things together because I love when they're together. One of the big, I don't know if I've ever told this story before. One of the biggest disappointments. You definitely did. In Pop Break was, I, I've told, probably told you off, off podcast. Yeah, I've heard the story too. Is that we had an interview with Simon Pegg all lined up and Nick Frost. But it was the day before the screening for The World's End. There was a number of screeners, and they're like, okay, you could go to this one. And I'm like, okay, I'll go to that one. But the interview will be the day before. But you haven't seen it, so you can't do the interview. I'm like, I can ask them anything. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I'll get it done. And they're like, no, we can't allow you to see. interview them if you don't have – if you haven't seen the movie. So that was a utter heartbreaker. But I didn't get to see World's End for free. It's a movie I've only seen once. Because I remember seeing the theater. Writing the review. Edgar Wright retweeted it. Liked it. And Al I think you saw that one. That review. And um, I was just like. It was so perfect for the moment. That I, I can't go back to it. But yes. I almost killed Simon Pegg one time. But yeah, that, that, That's the story. That story you told on this podcast. Yes. Yes I did. And he, he was a great guy. Um, I also love his book, Nerd Do Well. Uh, big, fan, big fan of them for a long time. I've just kind of felt like even Paul, like I like Paul a lot, but like it's also like I felt like we haven't caught that Peg and Frost magic together for a while. And this, I'm very excited for this. And also October 30th, someone, I might take a vacation day that day because that is Truth Seekers and Mandalorian season two on the same day. And then it's Halloween the next day. Holy shit. That's a solid weekend. Um, But yeah, man, it's, it, this looks like so much fun. It's like, it's going to be, it's, I think they're going to drop it on a weekly, like they're doing with the boys. So that's going to be a great one, two punch of that and Mandalorian together. Like you said, Al, like these guys don't, they don't do spoofs. They do honest, uh, they, they, they're they very honest with their love of stuff. They wouldn't have made this type of thing just to make fun of it. Like, there's going to be some serious stuff. There's going to be some drama here. I don't know how much Peg's going to be involved in the acting of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, Nick Frost, man, all day, son, man. I, I am so stoked for this. Yeah. yeah, I think if you look at the, the difference between parody and homage or, like, spoof and homage, you look at, like, the scary movie series versus the Cornetto trilogy. Meaning, there's, there's a the big difference, obviously. There's a... Oh, yeah. There's it's not disposable. Like there's nothing disposable about it. Yeah, it's not taking yeah. pot shots and stuff. It's yeah. all homage. Yeah. Like like I mean, you know, there's straight you know um, adaptations of, or not adaptations, but like there's straight like homages in yeah. Shaun of the Dead to um, oh, yeah. to the Romero films, right? Like like it's and they're it's, just and like, they're basically it's a love letter to those things. And I feel like that's, that's exactly that's what, what it is. is. That's what this is going to be too. Is just like you know we love this. Uh, weird, super specific uh, niche kind of like uh, area of television, and also like a, there's a, a a huge community of people like this who believe in ghosts and believe in the paranormal, and like they, you know, right in uh, Asbury Park, we have the uh, there's like a paranormal bookstore, store that, bookshop, yeah. yeah, that we used to work next to. Um, <laughs> yes, we did. We did. Which is funny because uh, I worked I worked in jobs yeah. with both of you guys paid. <laughs> yeah. And and um and weird New Jersey. Like I mean, like there's so many like weird aspects of just where we are, right? So like, you know, there is a, a legit following to this. So it makes total sense. You got great people involved. And I hope it honestly opens up 
it gets an audience through Prime because the, they've got a huge influx of people with things like The Boys and uh, Miss Maisel, right? So, like, yep. bring that audience in to discover Peg and Frost, and then you're just going to get, you know, their minds are going to be blown when they see something like Shaun of the Dead. Or, or Spaced. They're, they're or sitcom spaced. from 99, 2001, one of the great which sitcoms is, of all time, in my opinion. Which is the best. And I think Brent is about to pull up a a, a, a spaced uh, DVD, maybe. Yeah, no, Bill gave me a spaced DVD. There it is. I watched it. I watched it uh, after a breakup, and I think it like saved me from being real sad. So. Yeah. It, did it, I give it Did I give you my bootlegs, or did I, did I yeah, buy the box I, I still set? Have them. They're 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 uh, sitting over there in my bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. I, I went on eBay, and it's, I I thought you know they were for American because you had to get the right country code. Correct. And I got them sent over here, yeah, and uh, I watched them until they released the space box, which is now out of print. So I'm hoping, like, my hope is, selfishly, that I think you could watch Spaced on, I think you could watch on Hulu? I think it is on Hulu, yeah. I think yeah. it's Hulu. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't mind seeing that get a little more love, too. And then, you know, yeah. and of course, Edgar's got his new movie coming out next year, hopefully. But listen, it's super depressing. I was going to mention this earlier in the podcast, but, like, last weekend, we were supposed to be seeing that movie in theaters. yeah. Was it like, called Late Night in Soho? One Night in Soho, yeah. yeah. So like that's that's where we are now, right? Like it's we're in a world, right, where in a world, in a world where every single movie that we've been excited about this year has been pushed back to you know the next year, except for Tenant, which none of us can see. Correct. So like we're well, I do a whole thing about my dislike of Christopher Nolan. So. so <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did write. You did write a. You did. That's right. You were like. Totally wrote this whole thing against Christopher Nolan. You also wrote a whole thing about how you're pissed off that Applebee's got rid of the French dressing yeah. because of how much you yeah. love I'm the, still pissed off that uh, the fried chicken salad. Yes, we used to write about food on this site. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think what I was getting at was... Sorry, I didn't mean to drop. No, you're good, you're good. Oh, I, was getting oh, at I do. That the thing that we get excited about now as uh, people who are obsessed with pop culture is television, right? And these, whether they're movies or or TV shows like going to streaming, it's, it's really the streaming shows that are kind of saving it. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, Bill, I was going to text this to you, but like the Super Bowl this year, because football is happening. I'm literally watching it as I'm recording this podcast. What's the score of the game right now? Oh, uh, I can't see it at the moment, Bella, you know. Um, the Super Bowl this year, I think, is going to like set a record for the amount of movie trailers that we're going to see. Yeah. Because oh, it's yeah. everything from 2020 and 2021. Yeah, because we, I mean, we barely, because uh, I do the column every year on, on, the, tra- on the trailers, mm-hmm. and it's been very scant. You know, we got, we got a James Bond one, we got a Fast 9, no space, unfortunately, and Wonder- a Wonder Woman, and maybe one or two other ones that I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head, maybe Jungle Cruise, but... Yeah, well, we're going to get a ton this year. It's going to be an it's interesting be Oscar season, too. I mean, because you do have films like you have the Sorkin film, you have David Fincher has a new film coming out. Mank, yeah. You still have Spike Lee's film that came out, which was really great. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the Oscars, or how they do the Oscars. If, it's if they like, even do them. You know? Yeah. It'll be interesting. It's the Oscars be... have never been canceled, even through World War II. Um, but you know, we're not seeing movies. I mean, like, everything you just mentioned in terms of uh, award-worthy, buzzy movies, all streaming platforms. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Which is nuts. Spielberg, so, Spielberg's going to have to shut his mouth. Yeah. I know that's a, a crazy tangent from Truth Seekers, but I mean, just this go watch the show. This is a fucking like, crazy it's, tangent. It's going to be great. Um, so that wraps up our podcast for this week. Brent, dude, thank you so much. 
Oh, it was great. I, I'd like to do this again. This was oh, fantastic. I've wanted to have you on for a while, and I've always been trying to pick a spot because I know you are covering literally New Jersey's response to the pandemic. So I am. I'm always working. But this was really this was really a blast. And talking with you and Al, I, I respect both of your opinions and like both of you as people. So. Well, thanks, man. Thank you so much. Uh, so, Brent, uh, where can people find you, and where could they find the Clydes uh, on the yeah, internet? Yeah, you go to – if you want to read about New Jersey politics, go to nj.com slash politics. I cover Governor Murphy in the state legislature and all the crazy goings on during the pandemic. And uh, my band has the Clydes. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Spotify. Um, Spotify, um, you know, YouTube. And we have a new uh, video coming out uh, pretty soon for the single from our, the title track from our last album, Old Time Monarchy. Um, so that'll be coming out pretty soon, and we hope to be getting uh, back in the studio once it's safe to do a new record and uh, and then to be touring again. So look out the Clydes on uh, go to the go to the interwebs. So that's so funny. We uh, we've had the Clydes on so many of our shows. One of the great things too about doing the site for so long, we've been able to do live shows at the Wonder Bar, Anchors Bend, uh, in front of the Christmas Tree in uh, Convention Hall. Um, you, and I just saw the poster for our five-year anniversary show. That was yeah. the wonder part. That was, I think, that was our best show. That was a great show. We yeah. Jammed to the gills. Big shout out to Christine Fiola of Dark City Entertainment. Well, I don't think that's a company anymore, but you know, for helping set that up. But go follow Brent. He's one of the best reporters in the world. One of the best writers I've ever worked with, uh, bar none. Um, so, and one day I'll get you. I, I'll, I'll get you to uh, to come back to the site one day. Yep, I'd love that. Uh, Al, where can people shoot you sh- shooting Al Packers? Oh, by man. the way, it totally your recommendation did work. I'm probably going there sometimes. Oh, excellent! Yeah, I went to an alpaca farm today with my wife and my child, and he was very hesitant to to hang out with the alpacas. But I was getting up all in their face with the camera. <laughs> you can see my photos of the alpaca farm in Waretown, New Jersey, on my Instagram. And uh, Twitter at Al Manorino. I also uh, write cover letters as my dog now, so uh, you could check that nonsense out on oh, Twitter. Still, like I think, still the best thing you've ever written. It's, I it, I like I was a huge spit take moment for me. I loved every second of it. Yeah, you got to see it before it became like a like a, a wannabe internet meme that never really took off. I know. I I liked it though. Um, so for the last eleven years, my name has been Bill Bodkin, and I've been very proud to be. The editor-in-chief except for a couple of moments which i'll try and never talk about um brent knows exactly what i'm talking about yeah. um is uh find me on twitter at bodkin writes w-r-i-t-e-s um i still write regularly for the popbreak.com every single day the popbreak.com is putting out great stuff on movies yes we're covering movies that are that played in toronto and are on netflix or on streaming platforms and there's a couple of maniacs who go out to the movie theaters and they're being safe, and I'm not a fan of it, but I can't also stop them because I am not their parents um, yeah. to see movies. Uh, of course, we're you know we're restarting all our stuff for, locally for the Asbury Park music scene, which we're super proud of and super happy with. Um, we also have a ton of stuff on TV, uh, and we also have you know comic books, pro wrestling, all sorts of stuff on the site thepopbreak.com at popbreak.com on Twitter at um, forward slash the pop the forward slash popbreak.com all spelled out on Facebook. Sorry guys, it's late. And at the popbreak on Instagram, of course, this podcast, if you listen this long, um, you know, socially distanced podcast drops every single Wednesday, anchor, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts and Google podcasts, popbreak TV. Look that up. It's all our TV podcasts. We have a ton of podcasts there. 
same platforms. We're also, uh, we have like the Breakcast, which is on Apple Podcasts and on uh, SoundCloud. So Brent Johnson, my brother, thank you so much 11 years ago for joining me on this wild ride. And Al, my other brother, thank you for keeping me sane and keeping me going through all this time. So to every single person who has ever listened to this podcast, who has ever written for thepopbreak.com, who has ever shot for thepopbreak.com, I thank you. And I thank everyone who's ever read this site because without you guys, we would not be here 11 years later. So thank you so much and happy fall.